Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Everybody, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We got a big show today. Big show today. We got Marley in the house. He's all fired up. He's ready. He's running. There he is, running around back there in the back. We got uh, Bill Varney coming on here in a few minutes to jump into the show with us. And then we got Dave from Deckhand Sports to finish the show up and talk all about the PCS show, gang. Real quick, I want to show you a video real quick before we get going here. And then uh, we'll get into talking to our guest here. Just check out this video real quick here. Boom. The 2024 fishing and boating season at the most exciting saltwater, freshwater, and recreational outdoor show in Southern California at the amazing Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show. Orange County Fair and Event Center, March 7th through the 10th. Trout ponds for the kids and an unbelievable lineup of seminars with the most knowledgeable and experienced captains, guides, and professionals in the business. Over three acres of exhibits, boats, and incredible early season discounts. Bring the entire family to Orange County Fair and Event Center, March 7th through the 10th. Gang, you don't want to miss the show. We got, oh, we'll be fully involved in the show next week. We'll be laying our carpet and setting up our booth on Wednesday of next week. It'll be insane. I'm super excited. The The amount of uh, people that are going to be at the show is going to be super cool. It's going to be the most amazing trade show that I've ever been involved in, the, the Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show. But hey, without any further ado, here he is all the way from beautiful Colorado. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Dave. I'm finally here. Glad to be there. <laughs> it's nice to see you in such a warm place. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's nice. I'm sweating right now. It's a little warm here. It's kind of like we got the air conditioner on. It's kind of kind of warm. I don't know. Low 80s right now. Pretty crazy. Wow, wow, wow. Well, it was it was minus four this morning and it is up to a whopping 32 degrees now. There you go. Woo! That's nice. That's warm. Yeah. We're out here making so much water for the Californians. We're busy making water for California. Well, thank you. Somebody has to. I was just editing a video <laughs> of a water maker video that'll play next week on our show, but um yeah, that's something that California could do. It's okay mm -hmm. to make water out of the ocean. It's I think every other country in the world except California makes water out of the ocean, right? Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, Catalina, which is another country, um, otherwise known as poor man's Hawaii. Um, <laughs> Catalina makes their own water. Um, Saudi Arabia makes their own water. Turkey makes one. Many countries around the world take salt water, desalinize it, take out the salt, and make it into water. And um, Santa Barbara built a plant. I think it was nine million dollars to build the plant. They built it in like the eighties for desalinization. Then the environmentalists got in there and closed it down before it ever opened. Then remember, a few years ago, California was out of water. That was about four years ago, four or five years ago. And so they spent. $12 million bringing it up to standard for it to, to create fresh water for Santa Barbara because Santa Barbara really needs it. They have a limited amount of water there. And then right before it was going to open, Coastal Commission, no go for Coastal Commission. And that was it. Wasted another $12 million of taxpayers' money. And the reason why, and I read about it a lot, was they don't want the byproduct going back into the ocean, which is salt that comes from the ocean. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen, gang. It makes 0, 0.0 sense. But then again, most things around the state of California don't make sense. And Bill and I grew up here, so we can really, we can stand up and talk about it because we are just, we're living legends of California. So we know that it's a crazy <laughs> place to live in right now. But hey, Bill, 
a lot going on. Fishing's been really, really good in between this weather this week. It's been really, really good. There's yellowtail at Catalina. There's really good halibut fishing. My buddy Justin, who does the hoop net trips, is out there right now. Just caught a big halibut. We're going to show you that video in a little bit as we get into the second half of the show. Uh, and today we switched it up a little bit. Okuma is going to be doing the uh, taking care of the show on Friday and today, Deckhand Sports. And we're going to talk to Dave halfway through the show. We're going to bring him on here. We're going to show some of his bags for surf fishing and all the cool things he's got going on, Bill. Because when you're out surf fishing with Bill, there's a pretty good chance you're going to catch a fish and you're probably going to want to take it home and eat it. And Dave made some special bags for fishing on the beach, plus the boat bags that he has. So it'll be cool to hear what he's got to say. But, hey, I got a few questions because I've been thinking I love having you on the show and I want to know more about surf fishing. So now with the lack of the sand crabs, because now all the sand's gone, it's been a big, giant mess. What are we going to use for bait right now? What is, what, what, what are we going to use, Bill? Yeah, this is this has been like it. This has got to be a winner for the books, you know. I'm telling you. First of all, like you said, the offshore fishing, um, the islands, uh, chant the channel. I mean, even bluefin they're catching down south has been great, and surf fishing has also been phenomenal. Um, it, it, I can't tell you just in the last 30 days how many corbina, spotfin croaker, yellowfin croaker, and perch of all sizes, spe specifically some big ones have been caught. Just, just unbelievably good. And what's really interesting right now is that along the California coast, so we look all the way from Santa Barbara to, let's say, San Diego, the water is right around 60 degrees. And that's really unusual. You would normally see about 52 roughly in Santa Barbara, maybe about 54 to 56 in Orange County, 56 in San Diego. And here we have, not only is, is the water warmer than it is usually by as much as six degrees, but it's all along the coast. It's almost the same temperature from Santa Barbara to San Diego. We never have seen, as far as I can remember, I've never seen that in the winter. So that that is just crazy. And so what happens when the winter comes along here in Southern California and, and even now, and the water gets to 60 degrees, 59 degrees, 58 degrees, the sand crabs in Southern California, well, they basically hibernate and disappear. They, they dig down, they try to find places where there's pilings or, or rocks, and, and they butt up against those areas and wait for the spring to come for the water to get 60 degrees or, or warmer for them to begin their spawn and, and come up to the surface. So in the wintertime, like, all the bait from the beach is gone. You'll walk along the beach in the summertime, and sometimes you can't even walk along the edge of the water. There's so many sand crabs in the sand, it's painful. You gotta move up a ways or you gotta move down a ways. In the winter, they're all gone. So all of that food on the beach, all of a sudden it is gone. And so normally what we see is we see the corbina um, go in and, and spotfin and yellowfin to some extent, go inside the harbors and estuaries and they feed in there. The water's considerably warmer in there. So there's more food. Um, and so on the beach, we're really limited on the baits that we use. We use a lot of artificial baits in the, in the winter time. Um, we use things like lugworms and bloodworms. Occasionally uh, mussels gonna work, clams will work. But really, without question, Dave, the best bait to use in the winter, the bait that's going to catch you the biggest perch ever, and, and probably a record here in California, are sidewinder crabs. So, you know, what are sidewinder crabs? These are the crabs that all of us know. There's a great picture one right there foaming on the rocks that we all know that are running across the rocks at jetties and harbor entrances, estuaries, bays, all kinds of places like that. And you'll see them all year long, but they're really only effective baits in the middle of the winter when the water is at its coolest. And, and what's really neat about them, you know, it's kind of like, like if I was going to go tuna fishing and I put on a anchovy, three inch anchovy, and I threw it out, 
there'd be a much better chance that if I put on a six inch sardine that I catch a bigger tuna than if I use just a three inch anchovy. And exactly the same thing is true with, with surf fishing for perch. All these little perch are going to come in and nibble on anything that's soft. But when it comes to something like these sidewinder crabs, which are probably anywhere from the size of a dime to a quarter, it's going to weed out all the smaller perch and only the biggest perch will eat these crabs. They're very easy to hook and set up. As you can see in the picture there, I just take a number two uh, Gamagatsu split shot, drop shot hook, a 50409 or an owner uh, um, mosquito hook, ultralight mosquito hook, same size, two. You just poke it right through uh, underneath on the bottom, which you can't see in that picture is a, a little flap that is over their egg sack. You just want to make sure that you put the hook through that egg flap and then up through the back of them. And then you just cast them out and they will definitely weed out all the small fish. And the only bites you'll get are from big perch from those. So if you're looking to catch some really big perch this, this uh, winter, and there's a good picture of one with a, the crab hanging out of the right off the end of the hook of its mouth. If you're looking to catch some really big perch this winter, that's the bait that you want to use. Um, and so that's what we're going to use. We're going to fish a lot of times from the rocks with that. But those sidewinder or lined shore crabs is their formal scientific name. Um, you'll find them on any rock structure areas all along the California coast. Well, thank you for those pictures. That was awesome. Those are some good looking pictures. What kind of a perch is this perch right here? That's a that's a barred surf perch. That's probably about a thirteen inch barred surf perch, and you, you can be pretty well assured that the the barred surf perch you're going to catch on these sidewinder crabs are between thirteen and, gosh, I say seventeen or eighteen inches. Only the really biggest ones will eat those crabs, and and you know you get barred surf perch, you get walleye, you get buttermouth surf perch, you get all of the perch, and there's thirty varieties in California alone using these crabs, but in particular, those big barred perch will catch on those. Nice. That looks like a lot of fun. Now, how am I going to go about, where am I fishing from? What am I going to be looking for? Am I going to be fishing off the jetty? Am I going to be fishing off the beach? Because I'm getting the crabs off the jetty, so would it make sense to kind of stay exactly. closer to the rocks? You're Let exactly right. That's, that's exactly right. You. So, Is this picture you know, kind of... Let's see if we can, I'm not sure if we can quite make that big enough, but that's a jetty that goes out in the water, of course. And we're looking at the direction of the swell. So those arrows on the right-hand side of that jetty are pointing a little bit of an angle, but they're showing us the direction of the swell. As the swell wraps around that jetty, and of course, that would be a jetty where on the left-hand side's the south, on the right-hand side would be the north. The water, the waves will make the water around the end of that jetty and create an eddy circulation where it's not only knocking these crab off the rocks into the water when the waves break on it, but also it's creating a lot of air and a lot of bubbles and good place to hide. So whenever we're fishing in the um, winter, we will often fish on the south side or the left side of a jetty in California. And in the summer, we'll fish exactly the opposite which would be on the right-hand side of the jetty because in the winter, the swells are coming from exactly the opposite direction. And, you know, Dave, when you and I were kids and I grew up in Redondo and I'd go down to the beach and I'd look out in the water, there's a couple of barges out there. And, and my dad used to take me out in the barge. I think it was a dollar a day, I think. It used to be 50 cents to just ride out there and back. I think it was a buck to go on the barge and I'd go out there all day and fish. And so when I'd be on the beach and I'd look out there, you know, back in those days on the barge, man, they were, there were sable fish, which we now know as black cod, commonly known as black cod, one of the best eating cods out there. There were bluefin tuna, there were bonita, there were mackerel, there were all kinds of perch, there were um, black sea bass back in those days out there, there were halibut. I mean, you name it, it, it was all out there. So I'd go down to the beach and I'd look and I'd say like, if I could cast this thing out, you know, four-ounce sinker, 12-foot rod, 14-foot rod, you know, I had it on my surf racks on the car. I was like, I could cast this thing out as far as I can out to sea, you know, and I, I'd go stick it in my sand spike. And I'm like, 
man, the farther I could get, the bigger fish I'd catch, you know, and I'd watch my rod and eventually the thing would bend a bit, you know, and like, man, I got one again, I'd run over there and grab it. And I'd, I'd fight this thing into shore, you know, and it'd be this big ball of kelp like this big and it have like a perch in it, like four inch perch, you know? So I did that about a thousand times, you know, and after a while, you know, I got into diving, scuba diving when I was about thir- 13. I think I got my, um, uh, certificate back in those days uh, from the Maestro brothers uh, at Body Glove there what, about 13 and so I started diving and I dive around this rock structure you know like outside of harbors and jetties and stuff like that just because like the open beach there wasn't so much to see it was a lot of sand and I started there and I really went all over the world you know I went to Italy I, I dove in France I went to um, all over Mexico Canada um, Brazil um, Fiji, you, know, you name it, went all over the place, went diving and saw exactly the same behavior everywhere I went with fish. All of the biggest fish were backed into the rocks. And when the waves would crash over the rocks, of course, it would wash off the so, some of the crabs, of course, it would wash off mussel and limpets and other things that they would eat. That's why they would be near the rocks, not only for protection from the winter, but that's where their food was in the winter. Because as we talked, the sand crabs were predominantly gone off the beach, so they'd hang out by the rocks. I'd see them come out of the rocks when a wave would break over and create all these bubbles. They'd come out a few inches out of the rocks. They'd get whatever was out there and they'd go right back in. And if you had a mask on, you could barely see them in those bubbles. And then as soon as the bubbles cleared, you either saw the very last of them going into the rocks or, or nothing at all. So, you know, I realized right away, I mean, immediately that obviously I'm casting way too far out. Like if I was to cast my bait out and go skin diving out there and look out there, there'd be my sinker on the bottom. It'd be like a desert, you know, around it. So I knew the fish were right below me. So, you know, I gear up, I go out on the rocks. Well, I knew right off the bat that if I had a long rod on the rocks, and of course I'd use a much more limber rod, you know, like a steelhead rod, what we would consider now a surf fishing rod. Um, I knew that if I had a nine foot rod, that was good because, you know, on the rocks, you don't want to like climb down on the lower rocks that are near the water because they're slippery, they're sharp, uh, a wave could wipe you out. I mean, you could lit- you could easily die there. And Dave, you and I have seen people over the years get washed off the breakwaters in the harbors and pass away. I mean, it's happened many times. So that longer rod allows you to get your line out farther and you don't have to worry so much about the rocks. So I dropped, you know, I baited up right, put my sidewinder on there and I realized, okay, they're right there. I'm going to, I'm going to drop my line right where the water at, in the ocean meets the rocks. I'm going to be right on that edge, right at the bottom where the sand meets the rocks underwater, right on that edge. And so I loaded up with bait and I dropped that, you know, three quarter round sliding sinker, probably two foot leader, drop that thing down there. I mean, it was down there five seconds and I was snagged. I mean, you know, I can tell you, when you go surf fishing and your first cast, you're snagged or you cast off your rig and you got to retie, you feel like killing yourself. It's the beginning of the day. You don't want to start your day off that way. So I'm stuck in the rocks, right? And I'm trying to jiggle it out of there. No way. So I break it off and I started thinking about it. And so what we did was we morphed into a whole different setup on our Carolina rig. What we did was we went to an eighth ounce or lighter sliding sinker, very, very light sliding sinker, probably about the smallest one you could find. And then we shortened our leader way down from 22 inches to about 10 inches long, very, very short. And then once again, we put our bait on, we dropped, we put our rod out over the rocks, dropped a line straight down to the bottom, took one crank off of the bottom, allowed the waves to wash that bait in and out of those rocks like that. And what we found is that, number one, very infrequently would we get snagged because our sinker was so much lighter and our leader was so much shorter. When our leader is longer, it's swinging around down there and there's rocks and kelp and muscle, all these things that can get hung up on. So much shorter, eight to 10 inches long, and that very, very light sinker. The second thing that we learned that first day was that it worked. And as a matter of fact, 
I had been told by a guy I know really well who's in his 80s. He's probably one of the greatest surf fishermen that ever lived, Ron Schmidt. He said, you know, this spot that we're fishing today, he said, someday you're going to catch the world record pile perch here. He has set the California state record. And so I went home that day. I looked it up and I opened up. I said, oh, what is the pile perch record? Well, it was like, I think it was like two pounds, eight ounces or something like that. And it was set by Ron Schmidt, which I laughed. I thought that was funny because he didn't mention anything about it. Went back to the same spot the next day, went with the eighth ounce sinker, really short, got a couple of barred perch that were maybe 13, 14 inches, big ones. Then all of a sudden I hooked into a big fish and I fought it around. I finally got it up to shore and then I could lift it up, swing it into me. It was about a four pound pile perch. It was the biggest one I've seen by over a pound at least. And of course I immediately unhooked it and let it go because there was no way in God's green earth that I was going to take a world record away from an 85 year old man. <laughs> so that was kind of really, you know, Dave, how we learned to fish from the rocks where we would always cast way off the rocks and, you know, under the premise that we're on these rocks or way up high, we can get way out there. The fish are right in the rocks. So downsize all of your equipment, Use those sidewinder crabs. Just be sure to hook them from the bottom up there in the back of them. Um, and, and really, you know, that's really the best way to fish that bait. And those baits are very effective, probably the most effective of all surf baits in December, January, February, March. These are the four months where they're going to work really well. And it doesn't matter if you're up at Halama by Vandenberg Air Force Base above Santa Barbara or you're all the way down in uh, Tijuana, Ensenada, um, San Quintin, any of those places. These sidewinder crabs, they live everywhere and they work fantastically for bait. And there's the last thing I want to say about them as far as fishing them is that if you were to go down to the beach and collect a bunch of them and it is July 10th and you put a juicy one on your hook and you cast it out, you will not get a single bite on that because they're a very seasonal bait and the fish um, concentrate on them just in those cold winter months. That's the best time to use them. And then back to what you were saying. So just so people understand, because you went over this so quickly, gang, if you're on the rocks and you see that swell coming, the direction that you see those arrows that are pointed straight, not the swirly ones on the left, but on the right, the way those waves are coming in, the last thing you want to do is be on that right side of the rock, casting straight into that swell, right, Bill? You want to be over there on the other side where the swirly spots are, Bill shows us, because that's where those fish are going to be keying on your bait, gang. So if you're if you're fishing that rock, I'm just slowing it down. You talked about it, but you went so fast. I don't think you took a breath for 15 minutes, gang. So... <laughs> so if you slow it down a little bit, gang, and understand what Bill was saying, you want to fish those crabs right there where those swirly spots are because that's where those perch are all hanging out. They're not going to be over on that weather side. We call it the weather side. We call it the wave side because they can't hang on. They can't. They don't have hands. Mm. Like, like Mr. Gardner used to say, fish don't have hands. So you got to slow it down and understand you got to be somewhere where they can actually feed. They can't feed where the waves are pounding them. Plus, like Bill said, you're going to be snagging rocks the whole time. It's not going to be any fun at all. Right? That's exact. That's exactly right, Dave. And, and you know, so think, think of it. And, you know, this is the thing. Fishing in general, surf fishing in particular, human beings, we way overthink everything. We got to stop overthinking stuff. So you're you're standing on the rocks, and if you're looking out on the windward side, the weather side of the rocks, the side that the swell is coming into. First of all, if there's any bait being washed off the rocks, quote unquote, it's immediately being slammed back into the rocks because of the swell is coming that direction. On the opposite side of it, not only do you not have swells slamming into the rocks there, but you have a natural eddy circulation swirling in a circle, off-colored, foaming water, which is taking that food and swirling it in a circle. It's like it's like going to the um, all-you-can-eat sushi bar where it's on the 
you know, a giant lazy Susan and the food spinning around slowly in a circle and you're grabbing stuff as it goes by. That's, that's exactly the same with fish and, and they don't want to be slammed into the rocks. They don't want to have their food slammed into the rocks where they can't safely get to it. So they're all on the other side. Okay. One question. Jeanette has a great question. Well, it's not even a question. She was making a statement. I'm making a question out of it. Those little sidewinder crabs are so flipping fast. How are we catching them? Plus, they pinch the living bejesus out of you when you grab them. How are we catching those things, Bill? Because we're not crabologists, so help us. <laughs> That's a really good question. And man, has there been a, you know, I'm pretty old now. So there's been a lot of years of trial and error. <laughs> and, and as you can see, I still have all of my fingers and my thumb. So that's a positive. So I was just to start off, I was fishing with Ron, Sidewinder Ron. He's everybody knows him as Sidewinder Ron. He, he is the king of Sidewinder crabs. I think if you go to his home and you sit down on his couch and you are there to watch a game maybe halfway through the game you'll see a few of them scurry across the floor in front of him he's got so many of them so i go down there and and i i, I knew him a little bit and and he met me down there and we fished together for the day and it got near the end of the day you know and i said hey before we leave you know i got a question for you ron what is the biggest sidewinder crab that you would use and he said you know something bill he said i would use the biggest one i can find They'll eat the tiny ones and they'll eat the huge ones and they'll eat everything in between. And I said, well, aren't you a little bit afraid of those pinchers? And he said, yeah, sometimes. So right then I reached down to shake his hand and say goodbye to him. And that's when I noticed he was missing three fingers. He was had three fingers chopped up. So I'm not so sure about the big side one, your crabs. I kind of try to stay with the smaller ones personally. So how do you catch those darn things, you know? So when you're young and you're agile and you're fast and you're quick and you can think on your feet, of course, that was us quite a few years ago, you can go down at low tide to the jetty in your local area and you can look for the sidewinders. I usually take down like a butter knife or a, or a um, slot screwdriver and I will put my eye on one or two of them and I'll get near them. I'll watch what crack they run into and then I'll use my butter knife and, and can try to pop them out of the crack. Okay, that's the hard way to do it. Second way to do it is you go down at low tide to those same jetties. I take a coffee can and I put a little uh, cat food in the bottom of it. I usually put a little um, hardware cloth in there and just ru rub the cat food on the hardware cloth so it stays in there. They can't take it out really. And then I put it on a string and I just drop it between the rocks, leave a piece of wood on it about this long at the top so it sits on the rocks. I go down to the sand and fish for about 20 minutes, come back, pull it up with my string. And there's a half a dozen of them in the can. Wow. So that's the second way. And that way's moderately easy. And then the easy way to do it, the way that old people like us do it is like this. The first thing that you do is you go to Promar and you buy a good pair of gloves that you would use for normally for lobster fishing, nice thick gloves as your bait gloves. The reason that you want that is that we're going to take you down where there's rocks and those rocks are going to be about the size of a shoebox. And you're going to want to turn those rocks over. And beneath those rocks, you'll find anywhere from one to a dozen sidewinder crabs that are really kind of trapped in, in the mud underneath it. And you can easily just grab those with your gloves, pick them up and put them. I, I wear a little bait keeper on my hip. I just put them right into my bait keeper, close the top, and I'm ready to go. So you're wearing those gloves because the rocks are very sharp. There's all kinds of broken glass and 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 um, limpets and and barnacles and things that grow on them that are sharp and they'll cut your fingers very very easily it's not particularly so much for the sidewinder crab and the thing is if you pick that crab up on the back of it the opposite side from the claws the claws are not long enough to get you so you always pick it up from the back and you stick that right in your your bait keeper um, so that's really the most effective way and so where will you find those rocks You'll find them inside of any harbor, Los Alamitos, Long Beach Harbor, Huntington Harbor, um, Newport Harbor, San Diego, Mission Bay, anywhere where there's rocks, 
that are in a marine environment, you're going to find these sidewinder crabs. Where you find the small rocks, those are the easiest ones to just turn over, turn two or three of them over, and you'll see the crabs right underneath them. And then you just put them in your bait keeper. Now, these baits are incredibly hardy. They're almost impossible to kill. They're kind of like Dave. They've got nine lives. So how, what, how do you take care of them? Very, very easy to do. You just keep them in a plastic container, no water. I normally put one or two small little rocks in there with them. A lot of times I'll put a, a muscle. I get a muscle off the rocks while I'm down there catching them. I'll put a muscle in there with them, which, which can be important. Um, and I'll get those rocks wet. It doesn't really matter if those rocks are wet with fresh or salt water, just as long as they're kind of in a moist environment in there. And they will last two or three weeks in there. Now, one thing you'll notice about them is if you don't put a relatively large size muscle in with them, and what will happen is after a few days, that muscle will begin to open up and they'll have the ability to use their little claw and go in there and get some food to eat. If you don't leave them food in there, and you put them in that plastic container, you keep them near garage where maybe it's around 60 degrees and you go back about a week later. The first thing that you'll notice is there's only one left in there. They All the other ones you have in there are gone. And the second thing you'll notice is that one that's left is really big. I mean, it just ate all the 10 of the other ones that are in there. So do leave a little food in there for them to eat because they will cannibalize one another. And as I said, the big guy will be left and you'll have to put him on the hook and send him out there. So that's how you catch them. And that's how you take care of them. Very, very easy to do. Free also. Perfect. Thank you very much for that, gang. I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to bring Bill back in a minute. Bill, stand by. Don't go away. I got a special Will guest do. here. Dave Farron, welcome to the show, buddy. Welcome. Hey, Captain Dave. How you doing? I am super excited about what's coming up. The Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Festival at the Orange County Fairgrounds, March 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. And Dave, you're going to be in the same hall I'm in. And what do you got going on? Uh, we doubled the size of the booth. That's how uh, excited we are about this year and how, how much of a great time we had last year at, at our first show. So we doubled it, talked to Bill. He got us in a great spot and uh, could not be more excited to not only be in the hangar building, but uh, on the same aisle as uh, your saltwater guide. So we're we're stoked. So hold on one second, everybody that doesn't know who Dave is. I want to show you a quick video real quick. And then we'll get into talking and Bill, you're going to come back in because he's got some bags for fishing in the surf that you're just going to absolutely love. So first of all, let's look at this. Gang, this is the guy right here. You heard Casey Shedd talking about him. You've heard Anthony Shea talk about him. You heard Steve Lasley. You've heard most of my guests, Dave Marciano. Everybody is super impressed with the bag, gang. And here he is. This is the man that designed the bag, the bag that does not leak, the bag that holds your fish out of that scuzzy water in the bottom so that your fish are nice and fresh. He's here. He's going to answer questions for you. He's going to be talking all about the bag. But one more thing. I want to just, gang, you all watch this knucklehead every single night catching hundreds and hundreds of lobsters. He's had over 2,000 lobsters. He just, he's out on the water. You all saw him last night. He's out on the water fishing right now, and he just did this. We got to see this. I Justin, hold on a second. Here we're. Hello, everyone. Justin here. I'm going to talk about the Deccan Sports Kill Bag. These things are absolutely amazing. This is the 72 inch one. And yes, that noise is something special in there. I'm gonna show you what's great about these. Super thick sidewalls, leak proof zippers, tons and tons of places to attach ropes or anything you want to attach to it. They fold up very nicely. 
And they have these. These Velcro to the very bottom and keeps your fish from sloshing around in the ice. Absolutely amazing and brilliant idea. And I'll show you what else. It will hold your gigantic uh, halibut, baby. Right there. Paul just caught this bad boy right here. Putting it in a deckhand sports kill bag. That way he can take it home and have a fresh catch. See you. Gang, he's out on the water right now. You're going to see the Man. report today on your saltwater. You can't get any better than that, right, Dave? Oh, uh, living it right now. Halibut bites awesome, and he's on. He's been on everything pretty much he's, totally. he's the man and he took you hoop in so yeah awesome boat great captain guy is a wizard at the controls i mean just captain job captain justin's awesome and to watch him run that boat around you and i were talking before we went live watch him drive that boat around gang with five or six people on the boat answering all your questions also videoing the whole thing live in the pitch black dark fishing lobsters come on now it's crazy he's so good so good. So, Bill, we're going to bring you back in here for a second. I want you to check this out, Bill. Look at this. Check this out. Look at this bag. What do you think of this? Can you use that on the beach? What do you think? That sure. That would, on the beach? Yeah, that would work down there for sure. And you, you know what that'd be really good for is fishing in Baja. There, there's so many great um places and so many fish to be kept down there from the beach i don't know if you saw west last week with his dozen dorado down there from from the beach boy he would have loved to have one of those yeah i hooked up with west at bart hall and good dude and uh yeah we were talking about some dry bags and product well those bags are incredible but the number one thing and jeanette you're on here you're you're leaving comments i see you you're hiding out but Jeanette got one of your bags. She's super stoked. She went fishing with Justin. She had two and a half hour ride home. They got home in the car. Not a drop of water comes out of the bag. There's none of that condensation either. I don't know how you did that either. Kind of help us out with that because listen, if the bag doesn't leak and it's cold, it still has condensation on the outside. So that still gets all over in your car. You've, you've tackled everything. There's nothing you left I mean, you did it. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we we use a high frequency well. Uh, we basically are, we're taking the material and bonding it together with a high frequency. And what that does is uh, make the that seam become one in itself. And it's there's no more seam; it goes away. Just the fabric just blends together. So the bags are essentially seamless on the inside, and that creates an inner watertight liner. Our bags don't leak. And then we're using a heavy duty uh industrial closed cell foam and if you measure our bags the actual thickness is two inches um a lot of guys out there you know claim that they got all the great specs and all that but uh you know we delivered it and uh, you know i made sure we went through uh you know dave the testing was hard we had to do a lot of testing we had to take the bags offshore we had to take them down to san diego we my wife kept saying, how much are we going to test this bag? Because we were fishing so much. But, uh, yeah, we got it right. Yeah, honey. Well, we have to. There's no way. There's no other way to test it but go fishing, baby. I'm sorry. But right. that's just the way it is. I mean, we can have Bill tell us all day long. But if we're not actually engaged in the act of fishing, or we can hear Justin tell us. But we have to go out there, baby. So Dave wasn't lying to you, honey, when he told you that he had to go test them. He had to be there. And, uh. The thing I think that is so insane is everybody's gotten behind this because you went so far as to make dang sure that there is no leakage. That is huge. There's other yeah. bad companies out there, but everybody knows they leak. And most, a lot of us fishermen don't have a big truck to throw it in the back of. So we got to put it in our trunk of our car or in. True, true story. The first time we tested it, uh, we came off the, uh, the American angler on a three day trip. And I had the kill bags in the back of my truck and my buddy had wanted to bring the coolers and I didn't bring them. And, uh, we get down to San Diego and he's got a small Chevy volt. So we're talking about a literally hatchback trunk situation. He's like, man, I'm not sure about this. We're going to ruin. I said, I'll, if they leak, I'll pay for the detail and the whole deal. And yeah, we got the fish processed. Um, put it, got the fillets in there and we actually had to take the fish to the processor in the bags and then get them processed, put, get the fillets in, 
drove him home and he could not believe it at the end of it that they didn't link because all he knew about was kill bags leak and i said well my bags don't leak and he said that's a thing so and that's 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 where the idea that's where basically that was a jumping off point that's a big thing we had casey shed on the show a month ago and he talked about how afco tried to design a bag and it, it's not easy it no. is not when afco the owner of AFCO tells you it's not easy to design this bag. It makes you set up a little bit straighter in your chair and listen to what Dave has to say because you cracked the code. You cracked the code. And now, gang, I was talking to Dave before we went live while we were waiting for Bill to get the email that I forgot to send him. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the truth, we were saying when you go into a tackle store now, you go into a, a tackle store, or you go into a, landing all of a sudden you don't see any other bags but deckhand sports bags that's all you see everywhere you go gang it's you know why because he cracked the code the last thing as retailers and like my family owns dan or sport fishing and we sell a lot of stuff the last thing you want is the person coming back to you telling you this thing leaks this thing ruined my car this thing does this and it does that and it doesn't stand up Dave, how many returns have you had? None. <laughs> Effect, effectively, one on a this or that in all manufacturing, you know, something gets screwed up. But at the end of the day, we've had no failures on the leaks. And so we've, um, it, we had one zipper pop. So other than that, I mean, we've sold, we've made and sold thousands of bags already and that are in the market already fishing. And I mean, if you look at our social media, uh, very active. You see all kinds of bags. We got bags in Australia. We got them on in Florida and the East Coast. Of course, West Coast um, were huge. PCS was a big part of, of our company and uh, kind of our um, where we got started from a public perception was at the PCS show. And we sold so many bags. It was crazy. We were we had to keep running out to the trailer in the parking lot to reload the booth. I was grateful. We decided to bring a ton of them because we sold a lot and we had a ton of deals. We'll have deals this year. It's going to be awesome. So do you think people should wait to get the bags at the show or should they get out to the tackle stores today? Should they use that code that we have available at your saltwater guide to get the bags? I don't think you should wait. I know you're going to have a bunch of cool stuff at the show gang. There's Well, if you're going this weekend, you're going to need a bag, you know, and I, I've, I've, I've literally had guys uh, call me on the water and uh we had service he was on the water we were on the water we had a we we had a bag in, our, in the boat and we raced over to them and they caught a bluefin sold the bag boat to boat um i mean we you know when you need a bag you need a bag and uh you got the your saltwater guide of course uh goes right to the website uh, but you know if you're in a pinch and you're going you know tonight or tomorrow i know the bluefin are here right we're getting a couple reports now you know, you might need to go down to one of the landings because they all in San Diego carry them or any of the tackle shops and grab a bag tonight because you might be going. So, you know, of course, if you're not going, you know, PCS is great as well. But uh, it all depends on what you need. And, uh, you know, the Your Saltwater Guides, you know, it's a great code to have. And there it is right there, gang. You can grab the QR code. I know there's a lot of you driving around in your cars. So listen, when you go to the website, Deckhand Sports, and you are getting ready to check out, you put in the code YSWG and the number 15, you're going to save 15% on your bag. And that's a pretty dang good uh, discount, a, if you ask me. That's yeah. a phenomenal deal, and it's all because you're listening and you're watching the show. And Dave's been a part of this show for almost a year now. Ever since we saw, met him at the uh, PCS show last year, it's been just a great connection and it's been a great family connection for us and dave got to go fishing with justin dave's there to answer all your questions whenever we're doing the show on friday dave's always on and he's trying to answer the questions as they're coming up i know jeanette was very happy with your service it's just the most incredible service that you provide yeah i'm, I'm laughing i'm looking at devin's comment a donor organ transplant bag um <laughs> That's we actually created a joke at the PCS show, and they'd say, "Oh, that bag's so big, I could fit a body in there." You know, we got our ninety-inch bag, or that bag's so big, I could put him in there, or whatever. I said, "Oh no, no, that's the uh, 
That's the Corners and Mortuary show next month. Those bags are black. <laughs> so, Bill, you've, you've been surf fishing for a very long time. This is like the missing ingredient. You see people, and I see them all the time, carrying an ice chest down. They got their rods. They got their backpack. They got their ice chest. They're jagging all this garbage down the beach. If you look at that bag that I showed you, and I'll throw it up there again, but I want Bill to talk about it because, Dave, you and I can – we're just guys. But Bill's actually out there in the field doing this every day. What do you think of that being on your back, walking down the beach, Bill? Look at He's got pockets. You can put your tackle. You can put your crabs, your sidewinder crabs. You can put all your stuff in there and just walk down the beach with your fishing pole. Isn't that a – talk about that yeah you know it's that that is something new and and just to go back a bit like i know a lot about kill bags um i i spent eight, over 80 days on my buddy's 44 foot pacifica off of baja for a three-year period of time and we had one of your competitors bags and the problem with it is that the with your bag when you when you unzip your bag and you open it it has a wide opening and it's easy to get the fish in there without having to hold the bag open and and that was one of our biggest problems is that we had it on the on the swim step strapped to the transom and every time you had a fish to drop in there you had to have somebody open it up and get it in there and like when you got a dorado with with a cd18 in its mouth kind of and it's flying around nine hooks are going in every direction and you're trying to get it in the back i mean it was horrible it was horrible so so forget the whole leaking thing don't care about that as much as the fact that the accessibility to get into the bag so so that was that's one thing i noticed right right off the bat and then you know when it comes to surf fishing you don't carry much equipment with you you really try to go as light as possible light line surf fishing that that makes a lot of sense but as far as keeping fish and and i don't know you know the, i don't know what the percentage is but maybe 60 percent of the people let them go 40 percent of the people keep some of them um the way that that had always been done in the past was was a, a five gallon bucket right nothing better than taking fresh fish putting it in a five gallon bucket and setting that on the beach so the salt water gets to like 105 degrees okay that doesn't work and then and then the really the old-fashioned traditional way was that you would go up right above the high tide mark you would dig down about a foot the the wet sand is in the 50 degree mark there all year long you would put your fish down in the sand there then you would cover them up and by covering them up they'd be shaded from the sun and they would stay very fresh using that method there was two disadvantages to the method one you wanted to be above the high tide mark. If you were below the high tide mark, it was catch and release. And second of all, you wanted to remember to find a piece of driftwood to mark where the damn spot was. Because if you didn't, you were going back and forth, digging around like a mole, trying to find them. So that that's a fantastic method. And you know, the thing, Dave, is that we always want to catch fish and we always have our fingers crossed that we're going to catch something. And of course, the better we get, you know, the more experience we have, usually the better we get at it. But there are other things that can go in the bag. Not, not only can you carry your tackle in it, which now you don't need a little backpack to carry with you. But what about your lunch or a soda or some cold water? Any number, your bait. You know, there's a lot of baits that we use, worms and so forth, that we want to keep cool. We don't want them to be in our bucket on the, on our, our hip where the sun is shining down on them. So I can see that being very effective in the surf, both up here and, and like I said, down in Baja. And then that's a great product for lake stream and stream fishing. A lot of us who lake and stream fish, we hike to where we're going to go fishing. We, it's not like we park our car and we walk 50 feet and we cast out and we catch something. We go right to our trunk. Um, we're many times up the trail around the other side of the lake. And what we're doing is we're taking our fish and we're putting them on a stringer and we're putting them in the water, which is basically like a chum line for the local bear. So putting them in the bag, icing them, zipping it up at the worst if needed be, just hanging up, up on a branch in the tree above you. Very effective. I see a lot of applications for the bag. 
Another thing I want to say about the bag, I hiked a long time trout fishing and doing all kinds. You put your bag, you put ice in your backpack and you put, and then the next thing you know, it's all dripping down your back and dripping down your legs and your pants are all soaking wet. And we're, when we're fishing, we're trying to use everything with the least amount of stuff to carry. So when I look at the bag and I looked at the one you gave Justin, the dry bag, which was really bitching that you have so many compartments and so much cool stuff to keep everything. And Jeanette just mentioned it. So you've gone, you took care of us on the boats. You got the giant bag for the giant bluefin. You got them all the way down to the small bag. There isn't a bag though that you don't have. And now you're telling me that at the PCS show, you're going to bring out something else. What the heck else could you be bringing out? Yeah, I mean we're kill bags. We're gonna we're gonna add a couple sizes, uh, thirty six and sixty, because I'm just getting asked too many times to do it. So we're gonna do it. Um, thirty six could be a great size for a cooler too, by the way. So concerts in the parks and all that. But um, yeah, we uh, we have a big launch coming. Uh, all I'm gonna say about it. So we got to stop by our booth. We're gonna be in the hangar hall near Dave, near Captain Dave. But uh, the name of this new kill bag product line it's called the air coffin that's Ooh. all i'm gonna say about it okay there you the go air, the air coffin and like bill was saying the the way that those other bag, like the bag justin has the way that you've shaped them to to where they kick out like that at the end i mean that no, it, it's it's more so our, our kill bags like uh bill was talking about uh not having to get on the swim step and trying to close it shut and the whole deal um our bags have an A-frame, more or less, design. And the reason is uh, more volume in the bottom, as well as it makes that zipper want to come together when you zip it up. Versus when you have that um, diamond shape, almost, I'll call it, that zipper wants to rip apart from the middle and trying to bring it close, and then teeth start ripping out. It's a hassle. Um, obviously we did, we've done a ton of product testing, like I had said, and used a ton of competitors and it all started with a competitor's bag that, you know, in the beginning they were everything. They, they started this whole category and, uh, you know, used the bag and it leaked and, uh, thought, I think we could make a, a better one. And my back background has always been in product development, um, in sporting goods. And so, uh, when I came across this issue, I said, well, I think I can make a big, uh, a better bag and uh, make it um, just a lot more intuitive and have a lot more options. And then thought I did a great job, went to the PCS, we sold a ton of bags, but I also got a tremendous amount of feedback. And we got, you know, hey, on my boat, I fish it like this. I put it, like Bill said, I put it on the swim step. Captain Dave, you may not have the swim steps. Where are you going to put it? You might put it on the bow and you might need to connect it a different way. So we added all the loops, the Moly system, all the D-clips, all the handles. Um, cause I, I figured out real quick at PCS, we all don't fish the same at all. We all got different boats too, and different options and, and different needs. And so let's try and solve a lot of those problems and, uh, you know, put out a better bag. And that's, that's kind of what happened. And so right now we're in our, our second generation of bags. So I call them the gen twos and they're, they're awesome. They don't leak. We added the, uh, I call them the modular foam blocks, um, also known as ice baffles. And that's, that's. That's been a big design. Got a tremendous feedback. Those those fish aren't sitting on the bottom, beating against the deck. You know, when you're running two to three hours back to the dock, um, and you haven't checked the ice, and all of a sudden you get back to the dock, you're exhausted. You've been up since three a.m. and you unzip the bag, and you're like, "We've only been icing the head for the last two hours." Oh boy, right. is a meat ruined? What happened? Well, with those ice baffles that ice is only going to move and, you know, as you're rocking back and forth, heading back to the barn, you know, 10 to 18 inches, depending on where you got the foam blocks. And if you don't want them, rip them out, don't use them, don't need them. But if you, if you do want to use them, they're going to keep that ice nice, nice and sound, right? Right in that bag and keep that fish on a, on a bed of ice, throw some ice on top and, you know, head back to the barn, get home. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah. It's the whole, every part of it. When I got on, Justice, or excuse me, no, when you gave me that bag for War Heroes on Water and I put it on that 44 Pacifica, we didn't have any swim step. We didn't have anywhere to put it. So we tied yep. it up on the bow. And Bill, you know, when you go to tie it off, the old bags, you had the handles to tie it mm -hmm. to. 
And then they had on mm-hmm. the very, very end of the zippers, they had some straps and those mm-hmm. straps ripped off all the time. They always mm-hmm. ripped off. I'm not taking anything away from the other bag company. I'm just telling you how it was because it's the way it is. You look at Dave's bags. There is a ton of places to tie it down. Those D rings and all the other other tie down areas on there. It'll blow your mind, gang. If you haven't touched these things, when you're at the PCS show, you got to go see Dave. You got to check it out and then listen. Before we went live with Dave, him and I were talking. If you show up over there at his booth wearing some of my swag, Dave's going to take care of you. He's got a little swag to give you if you show up at his booth wearing our swag. And then go over there. Those of you that bought the bags, Jeanette, Justin, Tanner, Kevin, I see you guys on here. You guys have the bags. I know you already bought them. Tell them. Tell them yeah, how good they are. Be in the booth and help him out. Go over there and talk because I'll guarantee you there's going to be 10 other people that want to hear your story. And then remember, he's got a bag for everything. He's got a bag for your beer. He's got a bag for your lunch when you're fishing with Bill on the beach. Whatever you got, you need to keep your stuff cold. Dave's got you covered. That's right. Come back. Come come to the booth. Let me know any feedback as well. We're always innovating. We're Like I said, everyone fishes different. So I'm going to take all that feedback, see what we need to do. If there's any improvements, we're going to add. We're going to keep adding. We're going to innovate, you know, innovate or die. But uh, no, and, you know, I'm just excited to see everybody at PCS. It's going to be awesome. Awesome four days for us. Yeah. And if you guys haven't seen his website and haven't seen that QR code, you don't have to purchase there. You can just go there and look and go look at all the product he has. Just by grabbing the QR code, you can look. And those of you that are driving around, just go to Deccan Sports. That's the website. And then you can go on there and you can see all the beautiful product. Pick out what you want. Then come to the PCS show and get it. Bill, is there anything you can think of that he hasn't done that would help the surf fishermen? I sure can. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> okay, Dave, here we go. So um, what you need to do is you need to attach a two rocket launchers, one on each of the sides of the backpack. And the reason I, I say that is because um, years ago, there was a guy who made a a, a, um, a man purse, a, a waist belt, European carry-all, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. fanny pack. And he had a rocket launcher on, I think, one side of it, I think, back in the day. And those sold like crazy. As a matter of fact, if you go on eBay, they're like, you can find one for like $300 now. Oh, if you can believe that, I think they were like 10 bucks. And then the, the next next machination is there was a company that yeah. I, and I used to sell. Let me I used to sell their product. I got a question for you, Bill. Yeah, sure. Hold on, Bill. Sure, go ahead. The, uh, the rocket launchers on a, on a backpack. Are you coming to PCS? I don't know if I'll be there or not, but I might be there. Yeah. Do you have a surprise for me? We'll have something for you to check out if you stop at our booth. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because yeah, I was just going to say that the second machination was this. I I got I got in touch with this guy in a company in South Carolina that produced backpacks, small smaller backpacks with two rocket launchers on them, and they sold like crazy. People love those. Um, and then that company ultimately went out of business. So, so I think it's great if you come up with something like that, uh, anglers, as I said, not only on the beach, but in the freshwater environment are always looking for something like that to be able to carry their equipment around. And what's nice surf fishing and, and the same in freshwater is that let's say that I have two rocket launchers. So I've got one rod that's a spinning rod. I have it all set up for bait. I've got a second rod that's a, a, a lucky craft or Castmaster crocodile, a lure rod. So that's in my in one of my rocket launchers, and I'm fishing with the other rod. And then if I get a fish or I got a knot in my leader or something, I can put that in the second rocket launcher, get my stuff all ready to go, take the fish off, take a picture, whatever I need to do without having to put my equipment down and sand it all. And then I'm ready to just grab it put a bait on and cast it right out. So that, that is the ultimate setup. Sounds like he's got you covered. And then yeah. Devin, we're going to finish it off with the question from Devin. Cause then we're all got stuff to do. We've already burned up an hour. I can't believe it, but wow. Devin wants to know, is there colored bags coming or are they always going to be white? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's stuff in the work for sure. Uh, there's going to be, and there's, going to be some limited run additions too on 
not just colors but some other stuff so we got a lot of exciting stuff in the work but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a full lineup at the pcs show all the bags are gonna be on display we doubled the size of our booth uh we're gonna have a party we're gonna have we're gonna be featuring and featuring like so if you sent me a picture this year on instagram or facebook and tagged us we're gonna be grabbing all those there's gonna be a sizzle reel going full speed on 280 inch screens um our booth's gonna be loaded we're gonna have a ton of fun i got some great guys uh, that work for me that fish uh, you know all season long as well that just have a ton of knowledge uh, yes come check out our booth and and uh, our product line and you know one last thing i want to mention is uh that's not necessarily out there in the industry is uh our bags come with a one-year warranty if you have a problem you just shoot me an email i'll ask for a picture and uh, we'll take care of you and that's that's on kill bags all the way down to you know our rod sleeve covers you know one-year warranty so there you go devin he hit it he touched on it before we hung up mike wants you to make some with the american flag on it like that mike <laughs> that's good absolutely dave thank you so much bill always i love wednesdays they i learn ton of stuff every time you're on the show i think we got to start talking about these windmills again maybe next week because they're full speed going bananas we got we got this coming down the pipe like you can't even believe they're built. I was up there in LA, Long Beach Harbor with Justin, and I'm seeing the island that they're building in Long Beach Harbor right now to put the windmills together. It's a travesty. They're taking up some phenomenal ocean property, and I don't understand that, but that's for a different show, gang. I'm not going to get that all wound up today. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Bill, for making this a special day. I will see all of you tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be special. We got Kelly Girl on the show. We're bringing in Todd Manter from Manzer Marine. And then do not miss the show on Friday. We got Bill DePriest from Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show. And we got the great Anthony Shea. And I got a couple of war heroes because we're doing a humongous benefit at the PCS show for war heroes on water. So we're bringing in Anthony. We're bringing in a couple war heroes. You don't want to miss that show. And everybody knows you don't want to miss my wife tomorrow. So thank you all very much. Turn off the news. They're all lying. This is the only place you get the truth.